0: Welcome back to Maximum Sports. I am your host, Max Patillo. Thank you for joining us again this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, just want to get into this week. We're um, focusing on team building and what that means going forward. We've got the combine uh, starting this week, and so we'll be keeping a close eye on that we've got um all the interviews going on today and all the guys were getting their measurements and um uh, you know height and weight and length of arms length size of hands and that's um it's not nothing you know it's important stuff to to see uh, how these guys really measure up And then the I think on Thursday around all the positions are going to start testing and doing all the forty yard dashes and bench presses and all that fun stuff. It's it's pretty interesting to see. Um, You get to see the level of athletes that these guys are. A lot of them could compete, you know, in the Olympics on a lot of this stuff. You you got the long jumpers, you've got the sprinters you you got power and vertical leaps and you just get to see kind of what the NFL is is putting out there on the field every year it is just unreal the the level of athletes that's really uh one of the things that draws me to watch the NFL is uh just appreciating um how good of athletes these guys are and they're just out there colliding On the gridiron, and I think that's what we all love to see. And uh, man, it's pretty fun, and it's pretty fun when you know a lot of people think that you know the combine stuff. Oh, who cares? You know the draft. You know whatever. But I think that when you actually pay attention to it, and you you learn these players, and yeah, you can only watch so much college football. There's you know. 100 games on every weekend you're not going to get to see a lot of these guys but once it kind of narrow it down to who's really going to be in the NFL a lot of you know with this combine um you get to know these players and you never know which ones could end up on on your team uh, your favorite team um and just because they don't end up there now you know uh you know my team's the Seahawks when Davion Clowney was picked number one, you know, five years ago. Um, we all knew who he was, and I never knew he would be a Seahawk, but sure enough, he was last year. So you you knew who he was, and and it's fun just to see these guys journey, whether it's successful or not. It's it's really interesting, and so you, you get to know these guys, and the more you know them the more fun it is when you, you see them out on the field, even if they're playing for teams you don't really care about. You never know when they could be switched over to your team. So we'll talk about the combine. We'll talk about uh, kind of the future of the NFL a little bit. and But first I want to talk about some of the, the CBA, um, collective bargaining agreements are going on a new contract for the Players Association. And between the Players Association and NFL ownership, they are um, in negotiations for a new collective bargaining agreement. And there's been some news come out of, of kind of what the owners want. And the owners, I mean, true to their nature, these guys are big money guys and they just want more money and you can't blame them for that. I mean the NFL is a cash cow. It's it's amazing. The it's it's just growing and growing. But the, there's a line that they they're getting close to crossing. Uh you, you don't want to be too greedy. And I don't I don't blame anyone for you know wanting more money, but it has to be within reason because one of the things they're proposing is more games and uh this is this to me would be a grave mistake uh to make the season longer they're talking about 17 regular season games and two more playoff spots one in each conference extra wild card teams which would add another uh playoff game and so this league in the NFL no matter how much they've changed the rules no matter what they've done there is an injury uh, crisis basically and when these guys are getting hurt every year i mean you know the seahawks everyone was excited about them and then they lose three running backs in one week basically and that was the you know one of the focus focal points of their team and and all those injuries happen they lose three offensive linemen on top of that it to me it's just uh it's getting a little greedy it's it's outreaching yourself a little bit to add an, another game if it were me i would cut it down to let's let's do 14 or 15 games because one thing these guys don't realize I, well they do but they they want the money more but the best thing about the NFL that it has over all the rest of the sports is the urgency of a 16-game season is unbelievable. Every game is just so important. And this happens this can be affected in several different ways. The NBA um, you know, has 82 games. No one really as far as I know. I mean, the NBA ratings are down by 20% this year. They're, they're cascading constantly. Every year, NBA ratings, very few people watch it now during the regular season. Um, the baseball, same thing, 162 games. And they, they even call it dog days. Dog days of summer. These guys are just going in. And they're just punching the clock, and they're going through the motions, and wins and losses actually, you know, it's whatever. And you just will never see that in the NFL. These guys have to die out there every week to get a win if you want to make the playoffs. And you can feel it when you watch it. You you can feel it the week leading up to your team's game, uh, the urgency behind it, even week one. It's every week we're talking this is a must win game this is a must win game and it's just that's what makes every week so fun and and even for the teams that find themselves out of it in some way a lot of times they can climb back or they could ruin it for someone else and it just makes every game paramount And, and and the ratings show that everyone wants to watch and Another thing about the NBA is when the NFL is talking about adding a couple more playoff teams, it dilutes the playoff bracket that much more. So when you have, uh, you have your four divisions in each conference, it is paramount, if you want to make the playoffs, you need to win your division. That's the only way you can guarantee a playoff spot. And it turns out to be all that matters. You can't count on a wild card spot when there's only two available wild card spots. And if you add another wild card spot and you have three wild card teams, it's going to make the priority of winning your division uh, that much less. It wouldn't be a huge uh, people would still be fighting for their division, but it just is that much. Okay, we can take a game off, or we can rest, guys, more and more, or we can, because we're gonna make the playoffs. We have that extra spot now, and so the NBA, half the league, uh, makes the playoffs, uh, every year. It's um sixteen out of their, more than half. It's like there are thirty teams. Uh, 16 make the playoffs, eight eight in each conference, and I don't know if our my listeners, maybe you guys don't know this, but the NBA, they actually have divisions, that, but no one ever talks about them, because no one cares, it doesn't matter for the playoff seeding in the NBA, and that's because it's so diluted, no one cares about winning your division in the NBA, it's just which seed are you going to get, and I mean, the word, even mediocre teams make the playoffs in the NBA. It's kind of a joke. And that makes the regular season that much less important. Who cares? Like, uh, the eighth seed, like, the Clippers can rest all their players all season if they want, still make the playoffs, and then go on a run in the playoffs. doesn't matter. The, the NBA starts in their playoffs, it, maybe even in the conference finals is when you maybe want to start watching it because it's the rest of it is just diluted, and there's no urgency um, whereas in the NFL you you play your divisional opponents um, that's gonna be six games of, of your 16 game schedule and those games are just so paramount that you win those um, and that that makes for incredible uh, display of of entertainment, you know, the urgency is there. So the owners they they own and they uh have a different perspective on everything and they see the dollars and that's kind of all they see, I think. But they have to be very careful about diluting their product and I mean, it, it, you're kind of like overreaching yourself. I, I wouldn't mind seeing them cut back on, on games. That would be amazing. Make it even more urgent. Make it even harder to make the playoffs. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing them cut down on the preseason. I think four preseason games is kind of a joke. Maybe just have two. Um, and then have, these teams can scrimmage each other on the practice field. They do that a lot now and the fans, they don't, I mean, preseason's fun to see these guys battle it out to try to make the team, but four games is, uh, is, is quite a bit, and, you know, college football doesn't have any preseason, they just hit the field running, and they're fine, you know, week one in the college is, is great, you know, these top teams are playing each other and stuff, and, and they're just fine out there, so the, for me, it would be to scale back, and, uh, I I don't know how that's going to happen. I think this is what the owners want and the owners usually get what they want because they just have so much leverage over all these players. In the NFL, you have a small percentage of 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 the players making top dollar. And so, well, 5% of your um you know 400 players in the, the league um, or, uh, in, uh, out of the, uh, 53 on each team, uh, you, uh, you have a certain, you know, you have like 5% of the guys making most of the money. Yeah. They can afford to sit out and have a lockout, uh, and have that leverage on the owners. That's only 5% of your guys. The rest of the- the NFL isn't making enough money to actually be able to sit out long enough. Um, And so they don't have that leverage. And so that's the problem the players association runs into between them. And most of the guys who are on the players association board are big money guys, big, you know, Richard Sherman, he's one of the top guys in it. You know, he's made a hundred million dollars in the league and, he he might be much more willing to sit out, you know, for a lockout season to hold leverage over the owners, and that's really all the players have. But these guys on the fringe, you know, making the minimum salaries, which is, you know, 80, you know, 90% of the league, they they can't really afford to to miss a year or to uh, miss those paychecks. So that's that's the problem that the players really run into. And they might have to succumb to the owners um, wanting more games and wanting more playoff teams just so they can maybe get their healthcare coverage or their some of the things these players are, are fighting for. And um, we'll, we'll see how it all turns out. We'll definitely keep you guys updated. Um, I wanted to talk about a little bit of the future of the NFL. The, um, the main thing we look at um, how this league is being shaped year to year is it, it's getting really interesting. We've had kind of a quarterback revolution where a lot of these young quarterbacks are coming in and succeeding right away, very fast, and a lot of that is because of the influence of the college game is really entering the NFL and one of the things are is that's interesting is as the rules have changed um quarterbacks are protected by the rules so much now um which allows them to really run more college offenses which college offenses with the option uh, play, running quarterbacks, um, a lot more bootlegs and play actions and run pass options, stuff like that. Those plays really expose the quarterback to the defense a lot more. He's going to be out on his own. And a lot of that is because of offensive lines aren't as good anymore. And so you find a way to get your quarterback with misdirection and making the defense think you get them out into space, but in space the quarterback is a little more exposed, but that's why you're getting these great athletes at quarterback. They can be a little more exposed and then you change the rules. You can't hit the quarterback as much or as hard or, uh you have to be careful how you hit him, how you sack him. Um, and so all of that kind of mixes up and to see that, these college offenses are starting to, all the spread stuff is starting to come into the NFL. And, you know, that has an effect. I mean, like we just talked about last week, you, you had a team like the Chiefs who who were just a predominantly throwing the ball around the field team and, and they just are going to get Mahomes in space. He can make plays with his legs or he can just gun it downfield all game. And we haven't really seen a team like that uh, really win the Super Bowl before. And mostly you need to be able to grind out games in the NFL. Those are usually the championship teams, defense, run game, and the occasional deep ball Um, if you have balance. But the Chiefs, I wouldn't say, are really a balanced team. They, um, They don't have a great defense. They don't have a great run game. Uh, but they just throw the ball all around the field, and, and that's what ended up winning it. And that's the evolution kind of. of. I think they are still an outlier like we talked about, but you, you're seeing more of it uh, start to rise to the top here. And um, one of the things, you know, you're going to have a, a ton of skilled running backs and wide receivers now because – they're getting so many more opportunities particularly in the passing game running backs are getting out in space and wide receivers obviously you might have five on the field at one time so you're going to have more opportunities for these wide receivers to display their talents and more kids coming up they want to play wide receiver they want to play a pass catching running back type role you know the Christian McCaffrey's Alvin Kamara types um who get to be out in space and not just run between the tackles so much and and getting hit so much like that. And so with the defensive rules coming in, um defenses have to tone it down on their physicality and it just allows all this to to happen. And there's a continuing to be a scarcity of great uh talented offensive linemen. I think there's fewer and fewer of them, it seems like every year. And that's really that can really um make the NFL more volatile. Um one thing I was looking at was, you know, all these offensive lines. Um, you know, I'm I I'm all about the offensive line. And so these two teams, um, according to Pro Football Focus, last year's top two offensive lines. At the end of the season, last year, 2018. <coughs> so not last year, technically, the year before. Um, were number one, the Rams, and number two, the Browns uh, finishing the 2018 season. And come around to 2019, where did the number one and number two offenses uh, offensive lines land after this last year? The number the Browns went from number two to number 23 in the league. And where did the Rams end up, according to Pro Football Focus? The Rams went from the number one offensive line to the number 31, second to last offensive line in a matter of one offseason. They deteriorated that much. Now, both uh the rams and the browns they did lose i a, a player or two uh to free agency and and trades i think the browns traded one of their guards which was just a huge mistake and the rams let um saffold go to the titans and he bolstered their offensive line and and they made the playoffs and and went on a good run there and so that volatility is, you know, the, the Browns, they had a much better season the year before than they did last year. And a lot of that because they were a run team and they played and they blocked people and they had a good offensive line, number two in the league that year. And then they just have a huge drop off and it drops their whole team off. um, And, and so that, when you can't block people, I mean, you're going to have like you're going to have a really hard time winning. And so with such a scarcity of offensive line talent, that's why we prioritize it so much in our philosophy is you just you got to overpay for these guys. You got to do whatever it takes to get the top guys on your team and let the chips fall where they may. I'll spend all my money on the offensive line now that's that's how i'm I'm pushing it all my chips to the to the middle of the field those five guys I'll put all my money there and i'll take my chances elsewhere, but even that um doesn't guarantee you to have a a great offensive line. You could sign guys in free agency and and they might end up being busts you know um there's tons of guys that underperform one one year to the next and that's just the scarcity of of the offensive line play and and that's because of the college offenses they don't teach great blocking there's only a few teams in college it seems like that really run pro style offense and that you know all the blocking assignments all the techniques they have to hold their blocks longer now with all the spread concepts and stuff all you know all those linemen aren't having to block as long uh, they're just, you know, shifting the pocket a little bit and their quarterback's going to escape. And it's just takes these guys longer to develop and that that can make the NFL, like, so much more volatile year to year. We don't know who's really going to be good. And the only, like, really consistent offensive line, you know, lately, I mean, the, the Eagles and the the Cowboys uh you know the the patriots dropped back a little bit and you saw how that affected tom brady this year and that's one of the things you just never know who's going to roll out these offensive lines and so i mean you could you could build your team so well um one of the things i look at with the seahawks they were still they had so many great players you know after 2015 2016 2017 great players at every position except their offensive line was terrible and it just ruined the whole makeup of the rest of the team and that's why the priority has to be the these linemen and getting them in free agency and using your money wisely on the rest of the players the rest of the positions to be able to afford those guys and because you have to focus on the positions that... Your chances of, of drafting a great offensive lineman are really low. They just are. Even if you pick them at the number one pick, you, you never know. Um, so you're better to get a proven guy in free agency if you can. And hopefully you've got a great offensive line coach. And your organization just needs to be focused on those five guys. Um, Talking... Uh, Speaking of college players, we're we'll talk about the combine a little bit. These guys are having their interviews and everything. Um one of the things um it, it's not obviously it's not the biggest deal, but Joe Burrow, he he had a 9-inch hands which are pretty small for the quarterback position. And I told you last week, you got to look at that hand size. It's important. You look at a lot of the top quarterbacks in the n f l and uh they've got huge hands to hold onto to that ball um i know drew i think drew brees has the biggest hands uh of any quarterback in the league right now, which is pretty shocking um i think he has like uh almost eleven inch hands um and he's great and uh so i mean Russell Wilson, he's right there at the top. And it's funny because those guys are both, like, barely six feet tall, but they have the biggest hands. Um, It's just funny. But, I mean, you just talk about that grip on that football, not fumbling. I mean, Joe Burrow, he's got smaller hands. I I know he says he didn't fumble a lot at LSU. LSU, I mean, they basically had a, a force field. Around him, in in college, they had like the best offensive line in the nation, and he was untouched all year long. And the pass rushes, I mean, they they weren't coming close in that competition. But Joe, you're gonna have to go to the Bengals if you go number one. And I'll tell you what, you're gonna be under pressure on every play. And I don't know, I don't like the small hands. I always think of like Colin Kaepernick had really small hands he he was fumbling a lot uh it it's not a direct correlate but it's it is something and the velocity on on the spin of your spiral it can change things so that it's like something to keep keep an eye on it, it it's handside it, it's a big deal um and and the rest of the guys you know the, these quarterbacks I really like coming out uh Tua is, looks like he might be medically cleared coming up, which would be huge for him because I think he would be the number one pick. um, And his hands measured out really big, which is funny because he's a smaller guy too. Um, and then Justin Herbert from Oregon, I like him, I like his athleticism, I like his size. And people are kind of uh, not talking about Jordan Love from Utah State, uh, I think he has the potential to be a dark horse quarterback. He He's got mobility. I mean, he's got a big arm, kind of like it could be a Mahomes-type thing. And especially if you're a dark horse and you fall deeper into the draft, you probably end up going to a better team, and you have better players around you, and then the avalanche starts to roll, and you end up having guys like Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson and guys that they can start off their careers the right way and win games and build their confidence because they have good players around them because they kind of fell in the draft. Whereas guys who are picked really early on, they're going to go to bad teams and they're going to be exposed and their offensive lines are terrible and they're under pressure all the time and their confidence goes the other way and they can't get over it a lot of times. And that's what tends to happen with a lot of these top picks. And that's why I was kind of impressed with Kyler Murray Uh, last year was the number one pick and I I thought he would struggle a lot more because their offensive line was bad. But he had such mobility and they had such a scheme around him that he, he actually did okay even though they only won like five games. But, um, I see I I feel like he did a lot better. You know, Mayfield had a pretty good rookie season um when he was picked number 1, but they had turned out to have the second best offensive line that year. But then this last year he really struggled under pressure a lot more through a lot more picks and you kind of saw how he he uh took a dive this year. Um so we'll we'll uh, next week we'll dive into more of we're going to have the whole combine this weekend. We'll kind of look at some of them, some more of those players and and get a better idea for where these teams in the draft are are looking to uh, to draft some of these guys that stand out uh, from these measurables, and wanted to talk about the next three teams on our draft board. Um, we're looking at the Cardinals um, or the Panthers and the Cardinals and the Browns. the next picks and for the panthers they got rid of ron rivera to me it looks like they're um they need to completely rebuild the panthers i I feel like they only have christian mccaffrey pretty much is all they have on their team everyone else can go i mean they've let i mean luke keekley retired he probably saw the writing on the wall they're probably going to rebuild Great, they they let go of Greg Olson, um, Thomas Davis the year before. Their their whole defense is looking fluid. Uh, I don't know, you know, they they're older and they they're getting rid of guys. I would just, if I were them, I would just push the reset button on the Panthers. Um, I'm seeing this news right now that the Panthers are planning on keeping Cam Newton as a starter next year, which I think would be. a a big mistake um i think that you could trade him and get a lot of value for him and even if it's just a second round pick i mean that's another player you could add and you unload all that money that cam has which is as far as quarterbacks go is it's only like 18 19 million or something but still that's like you could sign a great offensive lineman for that money if you trade cam newton um you, you gotta push the reset button. You can't be scared of this stuff. You gotta get fresh. You can't have the same characters lingering around, uh, which has been turning into more and more of a losing culture in Carolina. And the you got a new owner, and he's he's supposed to be this risk taker. He's like a Wall Street guy. Man, just push the reset button. You got rid of Ron Rivera. He's one of the top coaches in the league, you know, draft your quarterback or, or trade down. I would just build it from scratch. So that's what we would do at maximum sports for the Panthers. Um, next up will be the Cardinals. And with the Cardinals, I I was surprised. I, I thought they looked pretty good, especially they came into Seattle at the end of the year, last year. And, and just, they just punched the Seahawks in the mouth and, and played great. And, uh, I was impressed with that. I think that they have some potential. I still like them um you know larry fitzgerald he, he just how can you not respect the guy i mean he he's just a solid pro and he's still playing he's still he he's going through another rebuild there, and they just had so many down years but he's ridden them up a couple times, you know when he first got there, they were terrible. They end up making the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner a few years later then they fall back down and then they climb back up with Bruce Arians and Carson Palmer and then now they're rebuilding again and he's still gonna stick around and and try to make another run at it and I just man that that's amazing and and it's not for a high cost I would take Larry Fitzgerald over a ton of these wide receivers but he's not asking for too much money which is just amazing and um I think that's great. I think I like Kyler Murray. I like what he provides athletically. He's small. He's got to keep protecting himself, but he has that Russell Wilson quality like a baseball player to be able to protect himself and slide really well and and get out of harm's way. He's just running around out there. He's like a little pinball out there. And he throws the ball well. And Cliff Kingsbury, I don't know. They could be one of those outlier teams like the Chiefs who just spread it around and throw. David Johnson, their running back, I think they got... uh, David Johnson's dropped off a ton. I think they got to get rid of him. He's a huge cap hit. Um, And he he was like their backup running back, ended up being last year. They got Kenyon Drake, and and he played way better. And he was their starter. And you got um, David Johnson making... um, let me just check it right here on their cap. I mean, David Johnson is making, uh, he's their second highest paid player, and he ended up being their backup running back. And he, his uh, cap hit is going to be $14 million, um this coming season. Uh, Chandler Jones, uh, yeah, so with David Johnson, uh, you got to get rid of him. Even if you're having to cut him, you could try to trade him, but probably other teams don't want that contract either. Just unload him, get get that fourteen million back because you need it for your offensive line. Um, they need to be a, keep building their O line. Uh, they just signed their they resign their left tackle, and that's it. That's good. That's important. Um, <clears throat> and so you got to build on that, and you need your money to do it. Um, Chandler Jones is excellent still I think Patrick Peterson is still very good Um, and then you've got some money to play around with I like Buda Baker on their defense he's been solid Um, he's just a baller you know Uh, they're mid level for uh, salary cap space but you unload that um running back contract, David Johnson, and you've got a lot more money to play with um and so the Panthers are just below the Cardinals in cap space um Cardinals have thirty nine million to spend, and the panthers have thirty two million um the the panthers I would just keep unloading guys and and you gotta get more of that money um so then we'll talk about. The next team on the draft will be the Browns, and they have a lot of cap space now. Um, They have 61 million, almost 62, and they're about uh, seventh in cap space, which is good. Um, They are a team that this last offseason, they built their team basically the opposite of how we would build the... Um, our team at Maximum Sports and they, they built themselves from the outside um, they have the two two of the highest paid wide receivers Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham and they traded guys to get Odell Beckham and they, uh, they got rid of offensive linemen and they just catapulted uh, down um, I don't know if catapulted is the right word catapulting so when you get better I think but they they fell down in the uh in how good they were because they um they gave away those players and and that that talent in those key spots and uh Baker Mayfield suffered because of that I think he lost a lot of confidence it, it's just so funny they were a team that has these big names um on defense and offense but these guys are not great players anymore. You know, Sheldon Richardson is a big name and man, he's been overrated for a while. And, uh, he, he didn't play up to his standards and Olivier Vernon, another guy who's a big name and he, he wasn't great. He's hurt a lot of the time. Um, miles Garrett, y'all know what happened to him. He lost his mind. Um, and he got suspended, and, man, they reinstated him. Uh, so you got to keep a close eye on him. Um, I will say with Miles Garrett, I mean, if, you know, he he's your first-round pick. He was the number one pick a few years back. He's costing you $9 million, um, and he's a great pass rusher. But, man, if a guy made a decision like that on a field, and, I mean, he he got suspended for the rest of the season. I would almost be willing to trade him, and you could get a massive haul for him. I just don't know if you can have guys like that with that kind of character walking around your team. I mean, I don't know him well enough. I'm sure the Browns do, hopefully. Man, a guy makes decisions like that, swing his helmet at another guy, Uh, I might go a different direction and uh you could probably get a first round pick for for him and unload that money um and so you got to you got to be aggressive you, you just can't be scared to make these moves and you need to think more about having a revolt i i always think of the revolving door let's just keep recycling these players and i know they don't want to hear that but if you're good enough there's no question marks about you, we'll keep you. You know, we'll, we'll keep the Aaron Donalds. I would pay Aaron Donald. I would pay the JJ Watts, I would pay the you know, in his prime. I would if you're great, I'll keep you. These offensive linemen, if you're great, I will keep you. But if you're a high-priced guy and you're not playing up to your potential, or you're making dumb decisions off the field. Or you're not a great leader or you're not fitting in to our scheme you gotta you can't be scared to uh to unload these guys and just keep refilling bring in young guys they're they're hungrier anyway when they're not paid you know, and so don't be scared even at quarterback there's so many good quarterbacks now and they just keep coming in there's gonna be five more of them that come in the n f l this year Don't be afraid to unload guys. I mean, now we're we're hearing, we're hearing whispers that the Lions might be listening to Mass, Maximum Sports, and they might be trading Matt Stafford, and so maybe they've been listening, and so, uh, you know, don't be scared. Just keep, I mean, keep cycling these guys through. I mean, you're gonna hit, you're gonna find guys no matter what. So, um, prioritize the right positions, and go from there. And you'd just be amazed at the games you can win by doing that. I mean, the Patriots, they've been doing this for 20 years now. They've had a revolving door everywhere except quarterback. And they they haven't even had... They probably have one Hall of Famer in that whole time span. And that's Gronk. And the rest of them... You don't need to hit on great, great players, big-name players. Um, the Patriots have been to the Super Bowl 10 out of the last 20 years. And how many guys can you name off their great defenses that they've had, off their great offenses that they've had? Do you guys remember Wes Welker? Do you remember Dion Branch? Uh, are those guys going to make the Hall of Fame? No. No way. I mean, they had Randy Moss for one year. That was great. Uh, And then they got rid of him. Um, You know, Teddy Bruschke. uh, You know, even I, I can barely remember a lot of their guys. But that's the point is they just unloaded them once they got too expensive. And it's about having a collection of players, not just one or two guys that are maybe really good, but definitely expensive. You need to disperse that money the right way. And they've had great offensive lines over the years, and they protected Brady, and even Brady. It's like he he was only paid so much too. And so they've had money, they've had flexibility, they've made trades, and, I mean, Bill Belichick's one of the best GMs in the league as well. So, I mean if it's a copycat league that's what you need to uh figure out um to to be like them and uh don't be afraid and cycle through these players if you have to so uh that's going to be our show for this week uh thank you guys so much for listening i really appreciate it um you guys are awesome so i uh, will see you next week we'll talk about this combine and we'll get into the our other draft teams we're looking at and we're getting closer and closer to the draft. It's going to be a lot a lot of fun. There's going to be some free agency signings coming up and all that. So we'll have a lot to talk about and uh enjoying this period of the off season where we get to uh to see how this league's going to be shaped. So uh thank you so much for joining us at Maximum Sports. Um Everyone have a great week and I'll see you next time.